0: Throughout my life, I've always tried to surround myself with people who I think can make things happen. And whenever I try to keep something to myself, it never really works. Nothing takes flight. You need other people, you need to allow people in to let things grow.
1: Hey, guys, and welcome to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle. Like flight is a peak performance podcast where we speak with the highest achieving athletes, entrepreneurs, musicians, actors, spiritual leaders, and more to gain inspiration from their stories and encourage us to be our best. And we can all be that version of ourselves. We can all be our best and find that version of ourselves because we're all the pilot of our own lives. And what I would ask you before we get into this amazing episode is this: as the pilot of your life, are your hands on the wheel? Are you steering towards your desired destination through the ups and the downs? Are you riding the turbulence or are you on autopilot? So often we just find ourselves coasting through life and the crisis we are in now is an opportunity for us to really reassess and decide whether we have been on autopilot or whether we haven't and have we been being meaningful with the decisions we're making. And it's okay if you haven't because now is the perfect opportunity to make a change and I hope this episode is going to inspire you to do that. The guest for episode 80 of the Take Flight podcast is the truly amazing Matt Willis. Matt is a musician, an actor, a former presenter, a father, a husband and so many other things. As a musician, he found success as the bassist and singer in the smash hit group Busted. With four number ones and a huge number of other successful songs and albums, Matt achieved so much in music at such a young age. It was incredible to hear about how he found that level of success and then how he dealt with transitioning into another passion of his, which is acting. He turned to acting and had similar success, of course, featuring in a number of movies, theatre productions and TV series including Flashdance, Footloose and Wicked in the West End and Birds of a Feather and EastEnders on TV. We discussed how these opportunities came about and how he capitalised on them more importantly. He also won the 2006 series of I'm A Celebrity, Get Me Out Of Here, which I can see why and you're about to hear why as he's such a top guy, he's an amazing individual and particularly likeable and he is now continuing to act and study the art of acting, which was amazing to hear. He's gone back to being a student, he's in acting classes again. And we talk a lot about the process in this, how it's great to experience getting better, seeing progress each day. And he's such an avid believer in that. And it was amazing to hear that philosophy of his. And on top of that, he's also turned his hand to writing scripts, which is sounding amazing and can't wait to see the projects he's working on. There is so much gold in this, I don't really know where to start summarising, but we spoke about everything from initially failing to make a band, to then having global success in Busted, to then becoming an addict and then finally finding peace, being sober, as he's now 10 years off alcohol. And Matt offers amazing advice that we can all learn from, whether you're an addict or an actor or a musician or anything, and finding higher levels of performance in that thing. He's a man of many talents and it was a genuine, genuine pleasure having this conversation. Please enjoy episode 80 of the Take Flight podcast with the incredibly talented, very humble and just all-round legend, Matt Willis. Enjoy. Matt, welcome to the Take Flight podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here, man. How are you? Mate, it's so good. Really good, thank you. All all the better for doing this and having a, a meaningful chat. Uh, getting away from yeah, man. Just having a chat with my wife all the time. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. I've literally just um, I've just come in from my garden. I was playing volleyball with my kids two minutes ago, mm. and um, yeah, trying to teach my eight-year-old son to play volleyball, which is uh, <laughs> which is more stressful than I thought it was going to be. I thought it'd be such a fun activity. And I was like, actually, this is quite
1: stressful. <laughs> <laughs> you doing the so whole uh,
0: homeschooling. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, they actually don't go back till tomorrow officially. So, um, so they've had two weeks off for Easter. So it's been bliss. But then we're kind of back to homeschooling tomorrow, which mm. is, um, which is a, a, a new challenge, shall we say?
1: Yeah. How are you finding the rest mm. of it, mate? How's it been? Because what we're now four weeks in, three weeks into lockdown.
0: Yeah. yeah we, 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 um, we self isolated a week before that because um, my wife, um, was working at the weekend she she got a cough and so from the Monday she had a bit of a temperature and a cough so we decided to self-isolate so we've been self-isolating now for four weeks so it's um yeah it's an adjustment isn't it you know but um I mean we, we've got so much to be you know really does sounds a bit cliche but we really have got so much to be grateful for we've got a garden and the weather's been lovely and we you know and uh, i feel like for so many years i've kind of said i just want to spend some time just the five of us you know because whenever we go on holiday we go on holiday with a bunch of people now and my wife's family and stuff which i love but it never seems to be us five and then you know the universe answers and here Mm. i am they're just us five for a month and it's been um you know it's been it's been you know interesting and difficult and challenging and, and strange but Overall it's been quite an amazing experience for me.
1: Yeah, such a good outlook, mate. Do you draw any mm-hmm. similarities to your time in the jungle on Nama Celebrity Game <laughs> album?
0: No. No, <laughs> Do you know what, funny enough, I haven't thought about that once <laughs> until now. But um, uh no, no, it's not it's not quite it's 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 not quite like that, no
1: um interesting about right I thought that you might have a similarity with uh being trapped in a in a camp somewhere um no no, no that was a that was one of the,
0: um a very very bizarre I mean it feels like a different person who did that if I'm honest when I think really? about about that show and about that time in my life it feels like a, it feels like such a long time ago and such a different person that was doing that like this year it was on um obviously um, I'm a celebrity was on um just before Christmas and um and it was the first year my kids watched it mm. and they kind of, um, they kind of wanted to watch what it was about. And they kind of knew that I'd done it because kind of they, they'd heard about it. I was seen a picture of me with a, with a jungle crown on in the house somewhere. And they were kind of, um, so they were intrigued and we watched it as a family. It was such an amazing experience to kind of sit down my kids and they were going, did you do that? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I ate that horrible stuff. Yes, I did. I sat on that log and lit that fire every day, you know? So it was a really weird, um, a weird time, but it was um it was amazing. You know, it was kind of a, it was a nice little way to look back at that
1: at that period of my life. Yeah, it sounds good. It's one of those shows. Like, I don't watch much reality TV, but it's the one that I watch every year. It's so much fun.
0: Yeah, it's great. And do you know what? Honestly, man, um, I had the most incredible time on that television show. Like, um, I didn't really know much about it. If I'm honest, I was kind of um. Um, I know a lot of people say that, but I hadn't never watched a, see- a series. I'd watched a couple of clips that they sent me of the show when they were pitching it to me. But um, I had no intention of doing reality TV or any kind of show like that ever. And then my record company decided that they were not going to release my album. And I was kind of devastated. A solo record that I've been working for like um, 18 months on, and it was just not really connecting and not really working. And they were like, "We well, don't think we're going to release it. Um but do you know what? If you go on this television show, we will. Because that's good promo. And I was like, all right, cool. Sign me up. You know. And so before I knew it, I was in the jungle eating bugs. You know? And <laughs> wow. um, it was so it was a really weird kind of turn of events, you know. Yeah, and what a strange way to promote an album. <laughs> you know, I thought I thought, how is this correlating or connecting to music in any way? And do you know what? It didn't <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was. It was. I still ended up weirdly having this amazing experience in the middle of the Australian outback with complete strangers and some people who I was like, "Oh, that's Jason Donovan." <laughs> Never chatted to that guy before. Let's have a chat in the jungle. You know, weird in the jungle. That's David Guest. Who's that guy? You know, suddenly, I'm like, wow, that's an interesting bloke. You know, so. you
1: and you won as the way. So, congratulations yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um yeah. so mate look thanks so much for doing this we, we chatted before we clicked record there that i i met you once or twice not that you probably remember or, or knew but we both lived in crouch end and we both trained at the virgin active in crouch end which is a, a yeah no good gym. Yeah. um and i remember actually a, a mate of mine who i trained with and uh we were on one of the machines and you asked if we had finished and i didn't think anything of it and he was oh that's uh that's matt willis because you just looked nothing like how I remembered you from the, when you were in the band. Right. Because yeah, you were yeah. suddenly <laughs> jacked and had all these multicolored tattoos.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Time flies, huh? Yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to having a chat because, as we said before, it's a peak performance podcast where we speak with people who have done great things, achieved great things. And you've done that in so many different areas as well. So I think the, the place I'd love to start is with your music career. And yeah, um, kind of how it all started. I guess what was the inspiration for getting into music? Was there somebody who introduced you to certain types of music, and how does that lead someone like yourself to actually start in a band? I think it was all down to my
0: brother, really. You know, my brother was the musician in, in my family. I was kind of um, uh, he was a guitar player and a singer, and was kind of into cool music. And I was kind of just like, um, like a couple of years younger than him, and not really anywhere near as cool as him and, um, especially my taste in music, you know, but he was into uh, like bands like the chili peppers and green day and kind of, and these kind of, these kind of things, you know? And, um, so I was hearing this around my kind of peripheral and, um, and I really loved it, you know, but it was kind of like, because it was his thing, I wasn't really allowed to go there, you know? So, um, um, but I always really wanted to, and then he was in a band, um, with his mates called sabotage and um and they let me join and so we kind of um we kind of formed our first band in our bedroom at like kind of like i must have been like about 12 years old or something kind of in my brother's band thinking i was the coolest kid in the world and um and that kind of introduced me to music really and um and opened my mind up to all these kind of bands that they were listening to and oasis was a huge thing for me you know and um and uh but at the time all i really wanted to do was be an actor and so i was at kind of different drama clubs and i was kind of the kind of nerdy musical theater kid you know who kind of like just wanted to be in the west end or or kind of do anything towards the stage really and um and before i knew it i ended up at silver young theater school and um and i went there for two years for the last two years of my schooling and um and then and there i met a guy called James Bourne, who I was embusted with. Mm. And then um, he was on the acting agency. So we were both on the same agency, and we get sent to various castings for I don't know, some kind of Chessington world of adventure advert or something where they needed a kid of 40, you know, and we both get sent for it. And so we saw each other at various things and in the corridors and stuff. And then um when the band um when when the school finished we um we met at another audition where we auditioned for a band and um, this band was called Scandal and they were kind of looking for a new member and so we both ended up auditioning for this band and we didn't get in and um and we were both devastated we really wanted this job you know and um and really wanted to be in this band and so we were kind of just chatting and before we knew it we were just like well let's just do our own thing you know we kind of you know we'll, we'll just try try maybe forming a band ourselves, and he lived in um in south end and and that was where it started really so i went to his place and um and started living with him and his parents in south end and we just sat in his bedroom and wrote music every day all day that's literally for about two years of our life all we did would wake up we kind of um you know start writing songs in his bedroom and then before we knew it, it was time to go to bed. You know, we just did that every day and recorded them on his four-track in his bedroom for about two years. And um, and, um, and then we, uh, we tried to get signed, tried to get a record deal, and no one really kind of knew what to do with us because we were just these two kind of weird-looking skater kids writing kind of pop-punk music, but it was a bit boy-bandy in ways because we were kind of massively influenced by by Max Martin's songwriting style and kind of um, who wrote like all the Backstreet Boys songs and Britney Spears mm-hmm. and NSYNC. And, like they were kind of like just this style of songwriting was so amazing to us and such incredible songwriting that we really incorporated that into the style of band that we were trying to be, which was more of a kind of blink one, eight, two, E kind of band. So before we knew it, we had this kind of mashup of these two very different styles and um, so they were kind of like, I'd say pop punk songs but more much more on the pop end of things and um and before we knew it that ended up on a record company's desk and they were kind of interested in us but not really ready to write a check and then we've decided that the whole kind of weird duo thing wasn't working so we um so we auditioned um for a uh, a new member and in walks Charlie Simpson, six foot four, handsome devil, (laughs) amazing guitar player, um, and really talented musician and, um, sung amazingly. And we were just like, tick, 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 tick. And, um, he joined the band and we signed a record deal two weeks later. Wow. He was that influential. Yeah. yeah. Literally he changed, he changed everything, changed the trajectory of the band within, Mm. you know, um, within two weeks, like he joined and everyone just went, yep i totally get it 100 percent. here's a check you know we we're like we've we've had this for two years you know and no one's been interested oh i get what we're missing you know and um and it really worked and, and, and everything he bought to the band like he bought this um like he was a real metal guy so he kind of bought this this world of music which we hadn't really been um kind of open to or really or really had anything to do with and he kind of bought this whole new influence and so um he was really really um a real breath of fresh air and so then and then busted got signed and then um and then that was before we knew it we had a song in the charts and you know our front our kind of picture was on the front of smash hits magazine and mm. all these kind of things which you just thought happened to other people you know and i was like oh my god this is like <laughs> like we're shooting a music video and you know and i've kind of talked about it before but the Um, I kind of feel like that's all I ever really planned to do. Like have a song out, you know, like shoot a music video, you know, maybe play some shows in front of a crowd that actually paid to come and see us. That'd be really cool. That was all I ever really saw happening. So everything that happened beyond
1: that was just more than my wildest dreams Mm -hmm. had ever really comprehended really. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, just to touch on a couple of the things that you said there, I I completely understand when you mentioned your brother about that kind of competitiveness. I, I was the older brother in my family and, um, I don't think i give him enough credit for how much we've kind of spurred each other on and helped each other get to the level that we're at. Yeah. yeah. Um, and funny you said about Blink-182, because we used to have, it was it was just me and my brother, so we were that awkward duo as well, but we used to play in the garage together, playing like Adam's song and all the Blink-182 oh, stuff back brilliant. in the day. Yeah. Amazing. Um, amazing. But yeah, they were um, an unbelievable band, and I'm not surprised that they inspired you. Um i interested to know as well. So you're talking about how like the two of you were working together and writing songs. Was there a s- sort of strategy that you had when you were writing those songs to try and get signed or were you just doing it for the love of it? And I guess the second part of the question is who else other than Charlie, when he came and joined the band, who else helped you to elevate yourself? Because it's really difficult to do it on your own. Yeah, no, totally. We were very lucky because um, the band that we didn't get in, um,
0: Scandal, that band had a manager and me and James kept in contact with that manager and would send him everything we did. And he was in America and he kind of kept his eye on us and we're like, these two are up to something, you know? And, um, and so he, um, and he was our manager, you know, like before we knew it, he was kind of managing the band and, um, and, uh, unfortunately scandal didn't really, um, come to anything, but luckily he kind of had these, two weird kids in Southend doing something else, you know, so he, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was right for him to keep his eye on us really, you know, so, so, so like, we really did. I think this is the thing I think, um, throughout my life, I've always tried to surround myself with people who I think can make things happen because, um, you know, and whenever I try to keep something to myself and like, whenever I think, oh, this is my thing that it never really works. Nothing takes flight because it kind of, um, I need um, you need other people. You need to kind of um, allow people in to let things grow, I think, you know, and so, um, you know, without, without
1: um, giving too much away, I think, you know, which is also, yeah. How, know, do you, um, how do you balance uh, that? I struggle with like, exactly you know, reading people knowing whether they've got your best interest in uh, heart, yeah. and then how you kind of navigate, those relationships, I find, is a really tricky thing to do, especially like with my example is this take flight business. Yours is your music. Mm. Like, how do you know? Because you love it so much, so passionate about it as well. How do you know when mm. to do that? How do you know who to trust and who to have around you? I think it's
0: all gut, in, gut instinct, isn't it? You know, you kind of, um, you kind of, I mean it's really hard. I mean I've been very lucky. I've had a few people in my life who have not been so great, you know, but I've managed to kind of sniff it out early enough. You know, I think you know your gut instinct is always right in my opinion with me, you know. I've been I've been whenever I've kind of tried to ignore something or kind of gone, well, that's a bit of a red flag. I'll just ignore that. You know, it's always come to bite me in the ass every single time, you know. So I think um um you know, very early on you'll be able to suss whether or not something is right, I think, and um and just go with your gut. Mm. You know. And the thing is, with creativity, I think there's always another idea. There's always another thing, you know. So why not run with the thing you've got? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, like I think too many people are like, Oh, but this is my, this is my thing. What if it goes wrong? And Oh my God, like then there's an, the, you know, then sit down, maybe spend a little while and think of something else, you know, like if it goes wrong, but it, unless you do something, unless you, you go with it, you know, or if you protect it too much, I always find that, um, you know, before you know it, nothing's really happening, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah, but it is hard. It is hard. It's hard to trust people, you know, but, um, but I uh. I am probably a bit too trusting. I think.
1: Really. Mm. Do you, Do you think that? Because I think similarly, like that gut instinct when you start to listen to that. There's a guy in the US who I'm a big fan of called Aubrey Marcus who talks a lot about. Yeah, I love that guy. Oh, do you listen to him as well? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the on it podcast. I yeah. listen to. It. I haven't got. I haven't listened to his new one. It's, it's good? Just to Aubrey Marcus now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's. I listen to him quite a lot, but it takes a little bit more of a spiritual. um, standpoint Mm. i've actually got one of his uh i guess one of his friends a guy called aaron alexander coming on the podcast at the end of this week who has um, something called uh, the align method which is all about posture and how that could impact our psychology and stuff um which if you like Aubrey marcus you'll probably like him as well but talks about like i guess um more spiritually connecting with uh your true self and like listening to i guess how you called the gut instinct and i think we do that when we're trying to follow our purpose as well so I feel this is my purpose did you think that music was your purpose
0: um I've struggled with that quite a lot in my life kind of finding out exactly what that that is you know what that purpose is and I I think I have fought it quite a lot you know um because I don't I think it comes down to a bit of insecurity within me, really. I think it's, um, I don't ever, I don't really feel exceptionally talented. Like I don't really feel like I have any real kind of like God given talent. You know, like, um, everything that I've kind of done, I've had to really kind of slave away at, you know, like the bass guitar does not come naturally to me. Like I'm not a gifted musician. I have to really, really, really practice. Like I start rehearsals six weeks before the other two guys walk in the room because Mm -hmm. I have to be on the money because it's just not, it just doesn't sit in my body. I have to really work at it, you know? And, um, and, uh, but I'm okay with that because if I do the work, if I put that in, then good things tend to happen, you know, like um. so for me, it's not really, it doesn't really bother me that I have no, that I don't really feel exceptionally talented, you know, like um, like I'm like, well, I'll probably get onto this, but I'm kind of back at, well actually not right now, this second, but I'm back at drama school at the moment because I was like, I wasn't really getting where I wanted to get with acting. And I was like, what's going wrong here? And I was like, well, I haven't trained for 15, 20 years. That's probably got something to do with it. So I was like, right. So I I went back to what did I do when I wasn't a good enough bass player? i spent some time. I spent two years working on technique and working on everything I needed to do. So um, I did the same with acting recently. I've kind of gone back to school. I've been 18 months in kind of drama school now. So it's kind of... um, so. But back to what purpose So I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't. I don't know whether or not I feel to myself like something calls to me in my soul that I am a musician and I need to give this to the earth or anything. I don't really feel like that. Mm. I feel like I feel like without without a kind of drive or a passion or without something getting me out of bed in the morning, my head goes crazy. You know. So I need something that I can latch onto and work on and become better at you know, that's kind of what, what makes me feel happy and kind of, and secure within myself. And you know what, that's kind of enough for me. Hmm. So I that's kind of what progress. I do. Yeah. I like, I like to see progress. i like to know that I'm achieving, you know, in some way. And I, I don't, I know life's not about, and it's not necessarily about success. You know, success is something which, um, which I, which is great. You know, I, I love it. And I do strive for some of that in some ways, but I don't, i don't put all my eggs in that basket you know like um i like to just know that i'm i'm getting better and i'm becoming a better person whilst doing that Mm -hmm. and that kind of feels like that's kind of my my driving force these days rather than having a set i don't i don't have um like a 10-year goal on my wall anymore like i kind of i did that for a while but I, i kind of felt like it was kind of um I don't know, I felt like I was underachieving every time I looked at it. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. Um, uh, I found that was kind of something which I needed to kind of distance myself from and kind of go, do you know what? The creative path isn't as linear as that. You know, mm. I kind of have to go, do you know, what will be will be? What's going to make me happy right now? And I'm going to do that.
1: Yeah, sadly, it's not linear. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. It's great to hear that. I think people are going to really love hearing the fact that you return back to the student i guess and you go and do your studying well i wonder what people looked like when they see you walking through the door at the acting classes i'm because i'm sure people are surprised to see someone who they see in the spotlight quite a lot anyway and i, I think it's a, it'll be yeah, a surprise I to it was,
0: yeah i think it was a bit weird especially because you because uh, the course we do is just like um you know, there's a group of kind of, um, I think 14 of us in a room for 18 months. But like, luckily, you kind of get over that within a week. Yeah. You know, once you've worked with all of them individually, you kind of get through that and you're like, all right, we're all just actors kind of trying to get to know each other and ourselves a bit better. You know, that's all
1: we're doing. And we've all got the same shit going on. So let's just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to know about his 10 year vision board that you had? What, what did that look like? When did you start doing that? And where did you sort of learn about that?
0: Uh, well, I kind of heard that a lot. You know, I heard that, you know, if you want to achieve something, you've got to write it down and see it and strive for it. And um, and I had those vision boards. I had that all that, all that stuff up for me for a while. And, um, and do you know what? Over the course of probably six months, it changed. Suddenly my vision of what I wanted didn't really make sense to me anymore. And I, I kind of didn't know if I really wanted that you know and actually what you know this is going to sound a bit wanky but what do i want like what do i want do i just want to be congratulated and celebrated like is that really what fucking matters to me because it, it actually i don't know if it does you know or do i want do i want contentment do i want to feel like i'm like i'm i'm happy within what i'm doing and what I'm putting out and what I'm giving to my family and my loved ones and my friends, you know, is that, is that really kind of, actually, I, when I think about it, that makes me happier than any kind of, you know, striving for this, this, this award or this tick or this thing or this house or this, you know, like really really, like, and so it kind of, but I think it took writing all this stuff down and looking at this kind of board of shallow things that I had on the wall to kind of make myself go, fuck, man, I need to readdress some shit in my life, you know, <laughs> and, um, and it, and it worked because I did, I, I, you know, I kind of, um, I'm not afraid to say I kind of work on my, on myself quite a lot, you know, I kind of like I spend, i, I I've, over the last two years, I've kind of spent quite a lot of time looking into what I am and what makes me tick and what makes me happy, you know, and, 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 and and a lot of it came from actually what doesn't make
1: me happy, you know. Unbelievable. I mean, I've done the same thing. I've been on a journey probably for the last, like, a journey. That sounds wanky as well, doesn't it? <laughs> no, fuck <laughs> it, it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably for, like, the last, I'll say, four or five years of doing exactly the same thing. Like, mm. the, the big questions, like, who am I? What do I want? What makes me happy? And balancing, like you were saying there, the validation versus contentment and fulfillment. Yeah. What, what stuff have you tried i've done sort of like retreats and various sort of different types of methods that allow you to alter your state slightly what what sort of stuff have you tried that's worked i think meditation's
0: done a big thing for me like a kind of um i, I still struggle with it i struggle to stay in a routine you know like um, at the moment i'm all over the place you know like and it's um, and it is affecting my mental state not having that kind of set routine like because um when i'm not working in crazy uh, when the band isn't going or when I'm not got an acting job, I kind of have a set routine when my kids get up at seven. So I get up at five thirty, and I have my morning and I then get my kids up at seven and I have the morning with them and I send them off to school. That's kind of what, and, and every perfect day starts like that, you know, and at the moment I don't have that going on. So kind of, um, I feel a little bit like I'm becoming a little bit loose you know, in my head a little bit at the moment because of that. You know, so um, uh, luckily homeschool starts again tomorrow, so I'm gonna try and click back into a little bit of a routine in this crazy time that we're living. Um, because I really miss it, and I, re- I am very much so. Yeah. You know, I never used to be. God, I never. I need, I I wouldn't get up till past one o'clock in the afternoon for years and years of my life. But interesting, I think over the last over the last kind of five years. I get more done before nine o'clock than I do with the rest of the day.
1: Mm. So you've you know, trained so, um, yourself to be a morning
0: person, you think? Yeah, like, but, but I like it. I like a bit of peace. I like a bit yeah. of me time. I like a bit of, and also I like I like not being feeling guilty about it. You mm. know, like if I take time out, if I like for instance, right now, right, the time that we're living in right now, if I take an hour to go to the gym, at 4 p.m., I could be doing something with my family, I could be doing something yeah. with my house. I could be doing something for other people in this time when they need me. You know, so it kind of feels like even though going to the gym for me is a really legitimate good thing and I need to do it to become a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better, you know, all these kind of things, that hour in the gym makes me a better person. But for some reason I feel this guilt by doing something for myself still, mm. you know? So if I get up in the morning before anyone's up and do it, boom, I'm a winner. You know, yeah. so I always try to, um, I try to do that, you know? And also when I'm not, when when we're not living in um, the, the Corona world that we're living in right now, um, my day can change by a phone call, you know? So um, I always try to get everything that's important to
1: me done before nine o'clock. That's amazing. That's something I'm gonna touch. T- I try and get up early. I really do, but I'm just I'm not good at it. Um yeah. I think I'm an evening person. And there's like the, the sleep specialists who talk about whether you're an AMR or a PMR, and naturally we yeah, feel yeah, totally. one of these categories. Um so that's been my excuse for not getting up too early.
0: <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Like James from my band doesn't start, you know, really his brain doesn't start working until eight PM. Mm. You know, like try and write a song with him during the day is useless. Write a song with him past dinner and he's on fire. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is about him. You know, he's just really creative in the evening. He's really kind of, um, and he will quite happily stay up till the middle of the night. You know, by 11.30 p.m., I'm like this, <laughs> ducking out. You know, like James, I've been trying to write with you since 1 p.m.
1: <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm hoping think that that's something that this new world, can help maybe because now that everyone is having to work from home, businesses might be more open to the idea of, okay, you know, you perform better between the hours of midday and eight. So why don't you just do your work then? And, and, you know, Matt, you work better when you're operating from six till three. So why don't you work then? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think there is no rule. There's no rules right now. Is there really, Mm. you know? So Matt, the other thing I wanted to ask then was, you mentioned like when we ask these big questions, like who am I or what makes me happy? or What doesn't? And I think you mentioned mm-hmm. meditation because it gives you the stillness and the, the, I suppose the peace of mind to be able to ask some of those questions without distractions. I think gym is a form of meditation in itself as well. Is there other stuff yeah, that you've you done outside of that, those two things that have allowed you to get some answers? I think
0: therapy for me, like, um, like I'm in recovery and I kind of, um, I had, um, I had so many questions around that, you know, so many, like, why me? Why can't I have a drink? Why can't I take casual drugs on the weekend? Like my friends can, all this kind of stuff that I kind of, um, I, I wasn't happy with, with just the answer of you're an alcoholic. That wasn't good enough for me. I was like, I was like, no, I'm not okay with that. Um, why? you know, you know, and, um, and I had all these questions and you know what, none of them got answered, but I've become much more content with saying I'm an alcoholic, you know, I've become much more content with saying I'm a drug addict and, um, and I'm okay with that now. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's okay because I've tried every other way and it always ends up the same, you know, and it took a long time and a lot of kind of, um, a lot of sitting down, talking to people and a lot of, um, of rooms filled with other people for me to realize that, you know, and kind of come to terms with the fact and actually release that kind of, um, that into the world and kind of go, ah, oh, okay. You know what? I can do anything in the world. I can do anything I want to. I just can't take a mind altering substance of any kind. All right. Do you miss it? I'll, huh? Do you miss it? Um, do I miss it? <sighs> no. That's really hard because the um because one part of me wants to say no, you know because that's the right thing for me to say, <laughs> you know, but um if I'm honest, yeah, I do miss parts of it, I do miss certain um I do still sometimes wish I wasn't this way, you know i, I do still sometimes you know when it's um when I'm at a wedding, you know that's a big yeah. one for me when i'm at a social gathering of some kind, I would love to be you know, to be able to join in that thing and kind of be part of that gang, you know, like, um, but I've tried, man, I've tried so many times, so many times. And I have fallen on my face again and again and again. And, um, and, uh, and it took a long time for me to go, Oh, actually, do you know what? Life's much better <laughs> if I
1: don't try, Yeah, you know? And, um, and, uh, I think it's interesting though, mate, because like, I don't think you need to be an alcoholic to realize that either. Obviously that's a, an extreme way to get the message, but I, like, I don't, have an issue with alcohol, I don't think, but I also recognize that it doesn't really serve me how I, how I behave with yeah. it. Like generally drinking in the week and trying to get up and perform and work the following day, you know, it doesn't help with that. It doesn't generally help my mood. It doesn't help me with my relationships most of the time. Um, but it's really hard to get out of that pattern and stop it. Like I've thought so many times after a big night out as everyone does, I'm never drinking again and and mm. think about like, what would it be like to be teetotal and be completely sober and I had friends who I played football with at a young age and they were really strict with it and never touched alcohol and they're all playing professionally now. So I often think like, would that have changed anything? Um, mm. but how long have you been sober for now? I haven't had a drink for 10 years. Wow. Um, but i've
0: um i've uh picked up many different other addictions along the way you know i kind of feel like um in some ways i put one down and pick one up mm-hmm. you know and um and before i know i'm like oh shit now i've got the problem with this you know like oh god you know and uh if you know I, if there's a 12 step program attached to it i'm probably a contender you know, in some kind of way, shape or form, you know, which is, um, which is just part of being an addict, I think, you know, which is, um, something which I've come to terms with. And I kind of, um, uh, and I can see pretty early on now, I go, oh, be mindful of that, watch that, you know, be careful mm-hmm. of that, you know, which is, um, which is fine. You know, I just kind of, um, I kind of deal with that now and I have kind of ways and kind of, and, um, and, uh,
1: different tools to deal with that is is that coming back to the exercise then is that one of those tools
0: um yeah but that can be a bit of a problem sometimes too mm-hmm. you know yeah, so, I so, yeah i gotta watch that a little bit you know <laughs> so um but then um you know so it's uh it's, it's all a bit of a minefield for me but um you know i've got um but it, it is a tool you know the thing is when when everything's ticking along when everything's going right, when I'm doing everything I should be doing, everything seems to go right. When I start dropping one out, before I know it, I've dropped four out, before I know it, I've dropped all of them out and I'm God knows where, you know? So I kind of, I have certain things and certain, some um ticks that I have to do within my day to kind of make myself go, ah, oh, you know, and not be this, um, this crazy addict person that is in my head, you know, kind of get him a little bit out of my mind for a little while, you know, um, uh, because fuck, man, he if 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 I give him an inch, he takes a mile, you know, so I really have to be careful with that. It's funny yeah, you're referring to it like almost another person's there. I, I know he's exactly like, yeah, what I feel like I feel like it is sometimes. I feel yeah. like he's this little fucking demon whispering in my ear, going, Matt, you can do that. Go on. Mm-hmm. No. Do anything
1: you want, ah. go on, mate. yeah. Go on, yeah. But <laughs> it will be different this time, it'll be different this time, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I relate again, not from you know the perspective of being a complete addict, but I remember it used to be for me, um, stacking up achievements in sport like, let's go and yeah. win that, let's score as many goals as possible, let's do that. Then it then it became you know like relationships or women or you know, having that as validation. And then it became materialism, buying the best clothes, the best trainers. I wanted all the new mm. new releases. And funnily enough, even as I'm trying to get away from that and moving into this take flight world and, and trying to be more about contentment and fulfillment, I, I noticed myself doing it again, stacking up the best episodes and the best, and then businesses, stacking up businesses and having equity in businesses. And then i just noticed I was just doing the same behavior, thinking I was doing it the right way, but just in with different things. So I've, yeah. I've I relate massively and I think I've tried, I think exercise and meditation daily are the things that help me to do that and people as well. When I start to see my bad habits creeping in, speaking to people who look like they've got it all together. (laughs) Um, If there are people, which there will be, because I think this is something that's generally tied to people who are ambitious and and, uh, aspire to be high achievers. If there are people listening who might relate to it, what sort of advice would you give them? I think if you um if you if you want it there are it's
0: very hard because um there's certain things which I'm um, uh, which if I was a member of I'm not allowed to say I'm a member of and there's certain things that I'm uh I'm attached to which I can't talk about you know but um there are there are groups and there are things out there that will help you and 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 if and if you want to um just you know just a, a quick google search and you'll and you the, the top few that come up are the most important ones Mm -hmm. you know I think you know like um, if you have a problem with alcohol if you search up you know um, problems with alcoholics and stuff like that the first couple that will come up will be a certain group of people and they will help you and believe me they will help you Mm -hmm.
1: you know and they won't want anything in return And, um, and it's an amazing beautiful thing amazing mate I suppose what you're saying there is the community really whatever that community is having those people around you
0: yeah, totally. I think I think so. For me, for me, that changed my life. You know, having these people in my life, having these, having working with other drug addicts, with other kind of um, with other alcoholics, and and hearing their stories and sharing mine, and all this kind of stuff. Which, to be honest, when I first got into this stuff, seemed so bizarre. You know, and like, oh my god, I can't think of anything worse. You know, like um I just don't want to be a pisshead. You know, like well, I don't want to have to go and you know sit and talk to these people and do this stuff. You know, now I love it. I'm part of something that is bigger than myself, and I and I love being part of that.
1: You know, and um and it's a beautiful, incredible thing. Yeah, mate, it sounds it. I'm so pleased you're uh, you're getting on all right with it. In ten years, it's huge. So well done. Thanks, mate. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about. We, we went we went off on a little bit of one there. I hadn't planned to you talk about, it. about that, but, um, no, I <laughs> yeah. love it. It's so good. In fact, actually, before we go on that, I know you've experienced breath work. I know you've done some stuff with breath work. Yeah, yeah. What? Because um, it's a bit of a weird one. My my best mate introduced me to it, and I was so skeptical at first, but I have found probably it to be the most beneficial thing that I've tried um people say one sessions like having a year of therapy which i wouldn't argue with yeah like to be honest um my my wife went on this um uh like a fitness
0: retreat every year called um to a place called the body camp and um and i kind of seen pictures of her doing it and i was a bit kind of skeptical and i was called the you know it's I think the fact that it was kind of a plant-based nutritional approach kind of put me off. And um, uh, nothing against that, but I kind of – as soon as something is so kind of one way so – All kind the hippies.
1: Think, oh, huh? All the hippies.
0: Yeah, I just was like, oh, no, no, it's not for me. And I kind of rolled my eyes at it. And um, and we were in um, – and it's in Ibiza, and we were there. And so she said, let's just go for the day. And, like, you can – like, it's working out all day. You'll love it. I was like, Oh God. And all right. So I went for the day. I had the most incredible day. Like I loved it. (laughs) Like you get there and before breakfast, you do like two workouts and you have this like amazing breakfast. Then you do two more workouts. And I was just like, this is amazing. You know? And, um, and then, um, and then after lunch, we had some, like, um, uh, like a yoga session, um, which I don't really do enough of and I really enjoyed it. And then, on the board of things to do was was breath work after yoga. So I thought it was just gonna be lying down and chilling out. I was like, it's gonna be great. You know. And just as we were about to start, my wife kind of whispered in my ear, I'm not gonna do this bit. Um, it doesn't really work for me. I see in a bit. And I was like, What? I kind of opened my eyes and she was walking off as the teacher was walking in, and I was like, Oh, God, now I'm stuck doing this. You know, I didn't <laughs> want to have to leave and be rude. So I was like, oh, God, what is this? You know, I looked on the board again. It was an hour long. I was like, an hour of breathing? What? And um, and during that hour, I had an out-of-body experience. I can't really – I have no other way of explaining what happened to me. Like, um, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I – the first kind of 10 minutes of doing it, it was a certain kind of breath. Um, I forget what they called it. It was kind of like a like a really large inhale, like a <gasps> like this. And um, and the first kind of 10 minutes, I was kind of doing it. And nothing was really going on. I kind of felt some tingling in my fingers a little bit. And I was kind of like, and this kind of woman who was running the class called Sapphire came over and put her hand on my chest and put her hand on my head and just went, what if you went all the way? What if you went all the way? And for some reason, it was just, it just made perfect sense. I was like, yeah, what if I just went all the way? What are you fighting here? And I kind of just relinquished all power and was just like, right. And I did everything they said to the, to the, you know, and I followed every instruction within five minutes, something happened to me, you know, and, um, and uh, over the next hour, uh, Kind of forty minutes or so I was crying my eyes out I was laughing hysterically I was <laughs> having these um this really intense out of body experience and I kept hearing this this voice that was that was my voice that was kind of sh- talking to me and it kind of just kept over and over and over again it sounds really out there I know I'm a crazy person but um, it kind of just kept whispering to me kind of kind of going um it's not your fault it's not your fault. And I don't know what that is or what that meant, but it just hit me and it hit something in me that made me respond emotionally. And my God, did I respond emotionally? Like, I I don't remember really crying out loud ever in my life ever, you know, like um, maybe when I was paralytically drunk, apologizing probably, you know, but apart Mm -hmm. from that, I don't ever really remember being like that, you know? So, um, something happened to me and it was um and then afterwards i felt incredible like i felt like this massive weight was off my shoulders in some strange way and i'm and um it was um a really incredible out of body experience so good mate do you still do it now i've done it twice since Mm. um i would love to do it again um i can't wait to do it again Um, it's, um, it's like nothing I've ever done in my life. Like I can't explain it. There's no, I, I, I I don't have any, any, any other words than to say you, if you, if you're intrigued by this, go and do it. It's, um, it's,
1: um, it's, it's a magical experience. Yeah. And it's so hard to explain, isn't it? Like you're saying, you think you're a madman, but everything you're saying to me, I know what you mean because I've done, I think I've done six now. Maybe more actually, maybe more. Um, and every single one has been more powerful because I've found it really difficult to, to go all the way. Like that affirmation that you heard in the session, I've, it's taken me a long time to like let what happens naturally to you when you're doing it happen. And for people Mm. who are listening, if they've never done it before and it sounds a bit mad, I was so skeptical as, as you said you were as well beforehand. Um, but it's just been the most powerful thing that ever happened. Do you know what? Interestingly, um, the last time I did it was last summer, and I saw uh, myself with a, a little girl in the session. And I've owned, and we've just really? found out, yeah, and just found out that I'm having a baby girl. Oh my god, mate! Are you serious? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, wow, Javid! it's it's insane. Yeah, um, that's crazy. So yeah, if people have got like anything, anything that they're struggling with, like it's yeah. I couldn't recommend it enough. So.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, this, uh, if I'm honest, like more than anything in the world, I would love to do ayahuasca. Like I've, I've heard so mm. much about it. I've looked into it in every way. And there's just no way with my history that I can take that mind altering substance. You know, I just, um, it kills me that I can't. But I just I'm just, I just don't feel like in my, in my life trajectory right now, I'm saying like, who knows what will happen in a few years? I don't know. But at the moment in my recovery, I don't think I can ever feasibly take a mind altering substance. I think it would go against everything that I built up over the last 10 years, you know, but, and it annoys me because everything, because I really want to do that. You know, (laughs) I really want, I really want to experience that. And I feel like, um, and everyone that I know, everyone that I, I, I respect everyone that I hear talk about it. Um, What they talk about I want, you know, and I want to kind of experience that, but, um, because I can't do that when I, now I feel like I've experienced a little taste of something else Mm -hmm. that is with my own breath. I changed my physiology. You know, Mm -hmm. I changed my, um, I changed my physical body, you know, like, which just seems madness, but it did happen, you know, and I, and I know I was there, you know, and it was, um, and something happened to me that I can't explain. So, um, and I didn't take anything, you know, yeah. I just breathed a certain way and it was, um, and it was mind altering.
1: So it was, um, it was incredible. Yeah. It's funny. It's probably one of those things that we've done for hundreds of thousands of years, but we've probably forgot somewhere along the way. And now we're seeing the benefits again, but I think yeah. the, you know, yeah. it's funny you said about the ayahuasca as well. Firstly, people always say like, no one knows better than the individual, like, you know if you should take it or not, and maybe that would be mm. something that you you might be more comfortable with further down the line. But they yeah, do say I mean, that. that it's, been- um, so I mean, yeah, they do say that it's hard to get addicted to that because it's so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's just it's just opening a can of worms, which I'm
0: not really. I don't feel like in control enough to open. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't really feel like, um. Like I'm kind of at the point in my life where I can go there yet, but I'm not saying that I wouldn't be, you
1: know, and I would be open to that maybe in the future, but, but not right now. Yeah. It's interesting. The, I I was, I was perhaps even probably the opposite to you because I played so much sport as a kid and my parents, my mum was an aerobics teacher. My dad used to be a a pro rugby player had installed this kind of like health and fitness attitude Mm with me you know I was always made to go to bed early everything was about being the best performer and all these things so I never really I never really did drugs ever when I was a kid I drank alcohol you know 16 17 18 and when I went to uni and stuff but I always avoided it so I kind of had a fear of doing things like the mind altering psychedelics Mm. because I was so scared of them really like how the impact of losing control but through doing the breath work Eventually, last year I did psilocybin, which is mushrooms. You know, oh, really? Wow, yeah, in a, in like a controlled, like ceremony environment, mm. where where I felt comfortable doing that because the breath work had got me to that a similar kind of state, and I, yeah. I, I did feel like when I took them, I felt quite similar actually. But rather than the hard work of like <sighs> breathing over and over yeah. and over again, it just happened it just takes you there by itself, right? It's a a bit of an easy way to kind of, kind of a bit of a cheat in my opinion, rather than doing the breath, but yeah, it made Mm -hmm. it feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So moving, moving away from uh, the drug side (laughs) of things, mate, I'd I'd love to talk about some of the other stuff because you obviously had huge, huge success as a musician with busted. Um, And then you went on to recreate yourself and turn to what sounded like one of your early loves, which was acting could you talk a little bit about that journey as you transitioned and what it was like? Because essentially the band split up when it was pretty much at its peak, right?
0: Yeah, I think um well Charlie left, you know, that six foot four handsome lead singer that I talked about, um, I had three years in the band and left. Bastard. But um um <laughs> uh and and that was it, you know. So at twenty one, suddenly um I didn't really know what I was supposed to do the rest of my life, so I did a um, I did a solo record because it was offered to me, and I was like, "Oh uh, yeah, yeah, give me something to do, please," you <laughs> know. Um, my bands broke up. I don't know what I am, and um, and I did a solo record, but I didn't really ever intend to be a solo artist. You know, like I never really it never really crossed my mind. I didn't really like being, you know the center of attention in a way that was never really a driving force for me i was a really good band member you know i really liked being in a band i liked being the kind of the guy and on the left you know that was kind of like i liked being that guy you know but being in the front on my own that didn't really fit with me very well and um and so i did this solo record and it didn't quite work and uh and um uh, I got offered um to go and meet someone who was doing a, a musical a musical in town and it had just been on tour it was called flash dance um uh, the the musical version of the film and so I went to meet them um and it was uh it was through someone else that I went to theater school with so um so I met these people and I kind of sat down and I was like oh this sounds like fun oh I could do this yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go for it. And so before I knew it, I kind of ended up landing that role, and um and I was in a musical in the West End for a few months, and it really kind of made me go, oh my god, I love this. Like I forgot about this, you know, like this is everything I loved, you know, and um and uh and what I loved about theatre so much was. Um, you have a rehearsal period, which is four weeks long and you rehearse for a piece and then you put it on a stage and then you have another maybe six weeks of previews if you're lucky, you know, then you open the show and then you get to do it again the next night. And then you get to do it again the next night, and again the next night. So me, who wants to be better every night and better than I was before, and kind of that kind of inner achiever within me, um, can see progress. Like I can go on, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's kind of like, but that's okay because I've got the next night, you know. And um, and I was able to try these things and be creative on the stage and have room and have um, uh kind of this totally different kind of um creative experience and it was um and it was fascinating and i loved it and so um i went right brilliant i'm in and um and so then i um i started taking acting classes again and um and i went and i did a bit on um i did some telework i did kind of eastenders and casualty and kind of um and birds of a feather and some stuff like that and, and kind of um, a couple of movies as well um, but my main love, I just love theater so much. Like I love it. Um, being in a show for a long period of time, like, man, that kind of makes me really, really happy, you know? And, um, and recently I kind of, um, I kind of got into writing and I kind of, um, which was a new, a new thing for me. Like i never really wrote stories down or kind of anything like that. I never really, I, I have no intention of writing a book, you know, or anything like that, but writing a film script was something which um which appealed to me and intrigued me and i had this idea you know and so um a guy that i i was in a a movie called allies a few years ago it's on netflix and it was um it was uh and the director of that movie me and him have wrote a new film and we've been spending like the last 18 months writing that together and it's um Mm. and i don't know what's happening with that like at the moment we're pitching it to a few people i mean the the industry is a bit quiet right now understandably but um but it's been the most incredible experience like i've loved every second of it like and it's like a whole new world that i've never really thought about or ever really looked into you know but um it's funny you look into your life and you have all these kind of moments that you can make stories out of and kind of like Mm. oh what if that happened and what if this happened and and you know and it's, it's funny isn't it because um when I think about it, I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that, but I always thought I couldn't do it because I didn't know how to do it. And <laughs> um, and then I realized that no one knows how to do anything until they start doing it. You know, so true. And, um, and I went, yeah, so oh, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to write a film script. How do I do that? Oh, I've got a mate who kind of knows what they're doing. How do I do that? Oh, right, cool. Oh, okay, I'll start there. Okay, I'll start there. And before I know it, I'm off and running and um, and we've done it. And it's and it's been incredible and i want to write another one you know like um it's um it's it's just an incredible experience so um so yeah so um so who knows you know the moment i'm kind of um uh at the moment i'm back at drama school so kind of um like i said before i kind of um i realized i wasn't getting the roles i wanted you know i was kind of um it's it's kind of a weird double-edged sword being from something else you know so if mm-hmm. so me being from busted is kind of like can get me into the room in certain places. Kind of like being Matt from Busted can make me walk into certain rooms that other people can't. But are they the rooms I want to walk into, you know? Uh, or are they rooms that just want to see me because I'm Matt from Busted, which maybe isn't the product that I want, you know? So, um, but the rooms I want to get in because I'm Matt from Busted, I can't get through those doors. You know, they're hmm. like, not, you're Matt from Busted. No way. You know, so it's a very, um. It's a, very, it's a very weird kind of um, double-edged sword, but it kind of makes me go, right, what do I do about that? Well, I have to be, you know, unmistakably fucking brilliant, you know, because then like, they, can't, they can't turn me away from those doors. So, like, mm-hmm. right, how do I do that? Right, I need to become absolutely brilliant, you know, so I'm like, right, so then I have to go back to school and I have to train, I have to work really hard. And, um, and I see that as a 10-year thing you know i don't really see myself with acting i see it as you know i don't see myself getting the roles i really want for a while yet you know i feel like i've got to really earn my stripes in this industry i've got to really kind of work my ass off for the next 10 15 years and then prove myself and kind of and also by then i'll probably feel like i'm good enough You know, because at the moment I struggle with that a lot. I'm like, shit, am I not getting these roles because I'm actually not very good? Maybe I'm not very good. Maybe I need to work harder. But that just makes me work harder, which is... um,
1: How exciting, man. It's amazing. People talk about paying your debt. Like, you've got to pay your debt before you can get in the room. I think as well, like, some people might be lucky enough, like yourself, and sometimes I feel like I'm there as well, where you do get opportunities to do fun things and you want Mm. to say yes to everything and you want to be involved in everything. But sometimes, as you said, it's interesting that... You know, it's not always the right thing. So understanding which path to take um, is sometimes the biggest challenge. Uh, and I think that yeah, that's- do you know I, I find really
0: annoying is that is that all those people that said the easy path is never the right path, they're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is so annoying, isn't it? Because, like, there's an easy path which I could go down and I could be doing all this stuff that's kind of quite easy and I could just do it. But it it it's the wrong path, you know, <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's it's you know it's, it's the wrong one <laughs> for me to do, you know. So I kind of got to go right no, Stay strong. Be an unemployed actor. It's better that way. You know? Yeah, back to school. <laughs> yeah. Go back to school. Like a, be, be 15 years older than everyone in your class. It's okay. You
1: know? <laughs> no, I think it's brilliant, mate. It's only going to strengthen your mindset as well. And it's interesting to yeah, talk about the writing. It sounds amazing, mate. I've, I've, interestingly, I've, Started to um because I used to write songs when I was saying me and my brother used to play in the garage. Right. Horrible, terrible songs, really bad. But there was something that I enjoyed about it. And I had um a guy called Marvin sawdell who was a former professional footballer, played in the Premiership and played for Team GB in the Olympics and did great stuff. And he started talking about how poetry had helped him, and wow. I found it really, really cathartic. I've started doing it since, since Christmas, really. And uh, wow, I, I assume you get a similar kind of thing from writing that down. You get a lot of like the emotional stuff that you might be thinking around and having trapped in your head down on paper and you get to put it into something creative. Yeah, man, like, um, like it's,
0: it's, it's, it's really weird because, because the film that we've, um, that we've worked on, we're actually repackaging it right now. We're actually working on it again and working it from, for a six season TV show, um, which is, um, so the concept of the, of the thing is about a band and, and it's about a band and their kind Mm. of journeys through America. And, um, and I, I kind of have, um, quite a lot of experience to draw on with that you know so it was actually became quite easy to come up with these like because um you know like i said i never really wanted to write a book but i've kind of had this pretty fucking messed up life and at, at certain points like these things have happened and you're just like oh my god i can't believe that that you know that that actually happened you know so i've now been able to write them down and it's not me that's doing them you know, so it's um, it's, uh, it's been quite um quite an amazing experience, you know, and having a bit of artistic license with that, and kind of you know, never letting the truth get in the way of a good story. Sometimes is always fantastic as well, <laughs> yeah. so, which I'm learning more about. You know, so it's um it's been um it's been a really amazing experience, and I've I've loved it. But I do get so much out of kind of coming up with these things in your head. and writing them down, just working them for a little while. And then there it is, you know, oh, wow,
1: that kind of works. Great. Wicked. What's next? Amazing. Yeah. The art of storytelling is everything, really. Mm. Um, You know, you're talking about moving from music and then into acting, but really what you loved was more the theatrical side of it. Mm. There's a couple of things I was, I was interested in. I always wonder about about the schedules of people in theatre because it's so gruelling. So the first thing is, what's the kind of recovery for that? Like, how can you continue to perform every day? You know, every evening, matinee evenings, whatever, and, and still feel fit and healthy to do it. And then the other thing was, did you, do you feel you got confidence or, cause obviously moving from music and into acting is a big thing. And, you know, no one's got the right to go and do it. Both of them successfully, but you've done that. Do you think you got confidence from performing on stage as a musician and, and you could take that, into acting or was there anything else that you drew on from your performance and performances with busted that you could take into acting sorry Um, two two big questions yeah (laughs) do
0: do you know there's something which um which i only realized they had a word for it in the acting world which is called actor's faith right which is something which um if you if before you go on you get in your own head and you start to think about what's about to happen or you think about the line before you say it you can trip yourself up and you can lose your flow, right? If I think mm-hmm. at any moment during a gig what I'm about to sing or what I'm about to play, you know, like if I think about it too hard, I can sometimes forget it, you know, and I played, like for instance, Air Hostess, that song I played... Forty thousand times in my life like if i think about it or i get in my own head about it suddenly i can forget what comes next right and that's um so i had to um and i went for a little stage in my career with doing that right a very short stage about i remember a few weeks of my life of going oh my god i keep forgetting this bit and the keep the you know like um or i'm singing out a pitch on this note i don't know why you know like and um and it was all in my own head right and in acting they have the same thing it's called actor's faith you just have to go I know it. I trust that I know it. I trust that I'm in mean it. I just have to walk on and let it happen, you know? And, um, and, uh, and my God did that, did that throw me a few times, you know, like, um, I, uh, I would, uh, I would, uh, uh, for a couple of months, I was in a show, um, uh, in the West end for a while, about 10 month contract and about one night I went on and, um, and I forgot my lines. Right. um, I'd just been talking on the phone in my dressing room and I heard my call on the tannoy and I was like, and I never normally do that. And I was like, whoa, 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 okay, I've got to go. Whoa, whoa, walked on stage, but mind freeze. And I was like, uh, and someone kind of jolted me and I got through it, kind of got through the scene. It was like, eh, it's horrible, disgusting mess. You know? And I, oh my God, oh man, I, I killed myself over it for about, I couldn't sleep that night. I was just like, in such a mess about it. And the next night came to that moment and it happened again. You know, it happened exactly the same. And, um, and I was in my head and I managed to somehow kind of mumble these words. that kind of sounded a little bit like it. And I got through that horrible scene again. And, um, the next day was a day off. Thank God. Right. So then I was like, um, and then I had this, this period of about, three weeks of panicking whenever it was coming up to that bit. Like I knew it. I've been in this show for 10 months. I've done it eight times a week for 10 months. You know, like why was I m- fumbling this thing? And it was all because I was in my own head about it. And, um, and that's, f- um. so I, so then I, I took a, a course as an acting coach. um, And I learned that, that, you know, the worst place for an actor to be is in his head. You know, like the, the, you, you need to be in your body and you need to be like, so it's about, kind of turning these kind of the lights away from your head and out focusing outwards rather than focusing inwards, you know, and, um, and I did some work on that and that has really changed my, um, my, my outlook. I'm not really explaining it very well, but it's, nice, no, uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it was, it was a real kind of struggle, but, um, when it comes to being in a show, so your, your original question, um, kind of like, um, and having, um, the kind of, um, and what that's like eight shows a week to be honest, like compared to doing promo with a band, it's pretty easy. You know, like Mm -hmm. I mean, promo with a band is, is, is like back in the day when busted were kind of like in their peak, like we, I would wake up at like whenever my alarm went off and kind of get into a car. And then I'd be in a TV studio and I'd be doing a check for one TV um tv show whilst we were filming the other one next door and then we'd be off and we'd be doing an interview in the car on the way to another interview and then there'd be a photo shoot and during that photo shoot we'd be planning the next video and you know that it was just like it was just this whirlwind of kind of crazy stuff whereas all you have to do when you're in um in theater is make sure you are as equipped and as capable as possible for that two and a half hours of the show you know, and make sure that you can give one hundred percent of yourself to that, you know, and um and so that's all that you really have to do. And um and I love that. I love that my day is all about that two and a half hours, you know, and um and making sure that I'm physically and capable of doing that. And I take quite a lot of pride in that, making sure that I'm that I'm not ill, that I don't have to go off, that I don't have to, you know, you know, my poor understudy never goes on. You know, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's so, um, he's in the well. wings like that, trying to get on. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, come on, you know,
1: come on, break your ankle, come on. <laughs> that, that's great though, mate, because like the, the kind of the way that made me feel was cause the I recently burned out quite badly. I ended up having to have five weeks off, just doing completely nothing, and it's because right. I kind of had a lifestyle that sounded similar to that of. You know, that your busted day is when you've got constant mm. distractions, one thing to the next thing to the next thing, stacked up, run, rushing around, trying to do this thing, planning a million things at once. But when you mm. get to have that concentrated, focused time on one thing, it allows you to really get the most out of that. So I think you know, that sounds like a much better and healthier, probably lifestyle as well. Yeah, I, um, I genuinely love it. I love it so much. Yeah, and mate, just thank you so much for bringing light to uh, Actors of Faith. That's something that I know is going to stick with me. When, when you were talking it through, I guess the only way I can really relate, is, uh, there's a couple of things actually. Football, obviously being my old sport. Yeah. There's always, there's always this weird kind of thing like I've played as a striker when if you're put through and you're running from the halfway line or you're going a a decent distance between you and the goal and you're running all the way in and you've got all that time to think about it, as you were saying, you do get stuck in your head and you fuck it every time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But when you're playing
1: instinctively, yeah, you just, you you manage to perform so much better. So it's interesting. Um, Yeah, man i had um i had i had i had a moment like that
0: whereas um i was a day player and um which is like um like if a show is up and running like a tv show is up and running and you go in for like one day to film a scene and you're like just someone who comes in for like one thing i had this um I had a, I was a day player on Miss Marple, which is like, um, like a UK kind of old school classic detective show with this woman who's a detective. And my God, the actors that were in this show were incredible. They were all top of their game, like legends in this room. And I was a policeman, right? Who had to, um, and the main detective was in the room conducting like a uh like orchestrating like um what was going on and telling everybody what was going on and i had to come in you know three quarters of the way through the scene knock on the door and just say something like sir um uh mr henry has arrived or something right and that that was all my that was my my line i just had to knock (laughs) on the door come in and say mr davies has arrived you know and then shut the door that was all i had to do that day oh my god dude like i had to stand outside the room to see the scene was going on i had to stand outside the room and there's a woman there in front of me ready to cue me as i walk in right and that's uh, so i had like about two minutes of scene to work myself into a frenzy into a nervous wreck to walk in and go it's walk into a room full of legendary, amazing actors and go, sir, Mr. Davies has arrived. You know, and oh my God, it was just the worst experience, you know? And then, and, uh, so the first two takes it was terrible. And the third take was just like, oh my God, just like, I just stood there. I know my line, know what I had to say. I know where mm-hmm. I am. Who am I? What does it mean to me? Boom, boom, boom. Sir. And I, as soon as I relinquished that kind of like waiting
1: for my mm-hmm. moment and kind of like, oh, you know, everything
0: went right. It's a great take
1: oh amazing like the surrender thing isn't it like letting go yeah exactly just let it happen happen. yeah Yeah, it's funny I've been doing some live events and it's funny you mentioned the blackout thing because the first one I ever did stupidly now in hindsight I wouldn't have done it this way but it was a mental health focused event during Mental Health Awareness Week last year and it was in support of Calm Charity which are a, a great charity and I stood up and I had this big long spiel that I wanted to do about my experience of mental health and build this big thing up of why I'm doing it and all this stuff. And I just stood up and I think just because it meant so much, I just completely, for the yeah. first time ever completely blacked out. I was like, and then sound similar, just stumbled through saying some right. shit about yeah. my mental health. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. 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 But it was a nightmare. Yeah. And then the next time, the next event, I had the same thing. I was just panicking, but I managed to get through it. I think if you keep pushing yourself through each time, it gets yeah, a bit easier the, and easier. You'll get through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got one more question, mate. Until we go into yeah, the last three, which are kind of like quickfire questions. Come cool, Um Something I'm interested to know about is what you feel your relationship with your wife, who's in a similar industry to you, has had on you. Like, is there a c- kind of competitive element, or do you, like does it spur you on? How do you? I suppose you clearly you're going to encourage one another to be better, but how do, how do you kind of how do you help each other? I guess if the question is, what do you do for each other? Um, I think because we do stuff, which is
0: in, oh, I suppose in the same kind of industry, you know, but, um, but it's different. It's different because I can't do what she does. You know, I couldn't, I, I tried to do what she does for a little while and it just didn't work for me. And I was just like, I can't do this. You know, she's, um, she's so good at her job that I'm, Uh, and she can't do what I do. So it's kind of like it's these, although they're in the same kind of world, they're very different jobs and they have very different strains on us. But um, I think what's good about it is that we both know, um, we both know if if what the other person is doing is right for them. Do you know what I mean? like, Like we can both go, and um, and if we're if we're if we're not if it's not right for us, um, she will know. She will know if it's not right for me, and I will know that deep down. But I'll maybe not want to talk about it, or maybe not want to <laughs> say it. And she'll go, and I'll be like, "You're right. This is not right, is it? Right? Okay, cool. Thank you. I needed that. You know, she's a really good um person to bounce ideas off. You know, she's very honest of me. She gives me um. Great criticism, <laughs> you know, which is um which is something <laughs> we we had to build on and kind of learn to take from each other, but it's really important, you know because I trust her implicitly and um mm. and she trusts me, you know and um and I think uh you know there's not really a competitive side because if anything, we both want each other to be less busy, I think you know, so yeah. we're both like, have to do that, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's interesting <laughs> you. Know, it sounds like you kind of- you both like know each other's true north by the sounds of it, then?
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly a very good way of putting it. That's, ex- that's
1: exactly what it is. We both know each other's mm-hmm. true north. Amazing. What do you think, mate? You've done so many amazing things. What do you, if you were to have to, using your instinct, think of the highlight of all of it, what would you say? The highlight of all of it.
0: Do you know, when I think back to like a pinnacle moment, um, like we did a band called Muckbusted Busted for a little while, yeah, which was like, um, like us and McFly kind of got together and we did this kind of like, um, just for a laugh, really. We kind of put some shows on sale and we kind of were going to sing each other's songs, kind of muck around. Ended up being, you know, a two-year excursion into something quite dramatic, you know, and it's, um, and uh, and we played Hyde Park. We headlined Hyde Park, right? And there was just a moment during that gig where I looked out to 60,000 people in Hyde Park and I suddenly remembered being in that band that I talked about called Sabotage in my bedroom. And I remembered that and I was like, <laughs> holy shit, look what's happening to me. You know, like um, I had a real moment. And, um, and at that moment, our manager came in our, because we got in-ear monitors, our manager came in our ears and was like, guys, you're not going to believe this, but above you, there is a double rainbow above the stage. I was like what no and I was like and I was like so at that moment I was having that thought of like oh my god look what has, look what me you know just wanting to do something has a has managed to achieve and at that moment there was a double rainbow over the stage and I was just like oh. as I was having that thought and I was like wow that's pretty fucking special man so I, I do think back to that moment in my life quite a lot and kind of go Ah, oh,
1: this was kind of meant to happen in some fucked up, weird way. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, mate! That sounds mm. insane. Like something out of, a, like something magical or something out of it. A- yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Alright, So, the, yeah, we do the last three questions. Cool, um, we do the same on every episode, and this is for people to kind of get shit. have fucking thought about these.
0: Damn.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, they're they're easy. They're easy. Yeah. So the first one is: Is there anything? specific that you've discovered or come across that you're particularly excited about recently? It could be anything from a new workout to a new program or a new method of um, goal setting or anything. It could be anything at all that you've come across recently that you're particularly excited about. Um, I like
0: something um, called the five minute journal, which is something which I do every morning and every evening, which is a little gratitude thing. Um, at a moment, in the morning, it asks me three things that I'm grateful for. And in the evening, um, I put down something amazing that happened that day. And sometimes I attach a picture of something that happened mm. that day. And oh, my God, do I love this little thing? Like, um, it really sets me up, man. If I do it first, if I miss it in the morning, it really it, something's not the same like um starting my day with gratitude at the moment is is r- something really powerful to me and i have a lot to be grateful for and sometimes i need reminding of that you know and um and i shouldn't need reminding of it but i do you know and um and so at this little app on my phone called five minute journal i can't tell people enough about it start doing it you won't regret it it's a beautiful incredible
1: thing that's amazing thank you mate you've actually prompted me I've, I've got the book the hard copy from ages oh, ago really stopped, all right great yeah i stopped using it probably about maybe even two years ago that's bad to say but yeah right. ages and ages ago yeah. um but yeah i don't know i feel like at times like the ones that we're in at the moment doing you know, times of crisis things are exaggerated so you can have a real high from something mm. and it's exaggerated in these moments or a real low and they're exaggerated exaggerated too yeah completely. Um, and doing the gratitude helps you to at least get on the, the high side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, this is one is quite similar to what you've said, cause it's based around a practice or a habit. So if you can come up with anything else, great, if not, no worries. But if there was one particular habit that you recommended to all listeners to incorporate into their day, which is going to drive their performance, what would that habit be? Um, I make my bed every morning. Nice. Um,
0: it's, uh, like, um, it depends. Cause, um, cause I, uh, I sometimes have to get up before my family, you know, so, um, so I make my side, <laughs> you know, as I go <laughs> up in the morning, I, I keep my side of the bed clean, you know, like, um, these little things like, uh, like it's, it, I have to start my day off on a positive. Like if I get up in the morning and I kind of stumble downstairs and put something on like my, it's different. Like if I start my day, I wake up, I make my side of the bed. I kind of get out you know my gym stuff is already set out from the night before that's something i do every night now i put my workout clothes for the next morning out ready so i wake up i pick them up and i come downstairs and it's um it's a really good way of um of starting my day i find that if i work out first thing in the morning as well i I always i always get it in if i if i put it off to later in the day something always comes up always Mm. and um and i don't do it and when i and If my
1: training falls out, my diet falls out. If my diet falls out, my head falls out. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And do you know what you're going to train the night before? Have you already decided what you're going to do in yeah, the gym? Gen- yeah, but I've got a plan or a program. I have to follow a plan or a program. Otherwise, so I don't really do anything.
0: I just go in there and kind mm. of do chest and arms. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so I, uh, I, I have a, I have a program which I follow. I'm doing it at the moment. I think you had. Um, did you have um did you have Sarah Lindsay on your podcast yes. from yeah. raw? Yeah, um, yeah. I started a while back with their, with their, their online stuff. I'm following wow. one of their online workouts at the moment. I'm thinking of going to her place as well. Like, um, uh, you when, we're, when we're all coming back here, I'm going to go and do 12 weeks there. I really want to kind of, I've never really done that kind of vanity, get in shape kind of like 12 week program thing and I'm like I really want to do that so um, I'm like you know um, I'm going to do that as soon as we're allowed back in there I'm going to go straight there
1: oh man, you would love it especially if you're drawn to the progress side of things like she's she's incredible as well so yeah yeah she really is Um, okay amazing I love that and the last one is imagine there's two versions of yourself so there's two versions of Matt Willis take yourself back to let's go back to when you were uh, writing the music in your bedroom. If you could hone in and nail down on one key trait that separated the version of yourself who's gone on to achieve all the amazing things that you've done today and is sitting there on the screen looking at me now, versus the one who wouldn't have been able to go on and do all those things, what would what would that key differentiator be between the two versions?
0: I think um I think allowing things not to be perfect is something which I which I learn around that kind of age. Because before then, if something wasn't perfect, no one could see it. You know, no one could do it. Like it was oh it's not ready, not that something's not perfect. It has to be when really what is perfection? Like it's just like it's just a figment of something which we're never going to achieve. You know, so um so really I had to go. Um, I had to let go of perfection, you know, and um, and that's something which I which I still do now. I kind of go um, if I, if I, if I'm not careful, I hold on to stuff a bit too long because I'm I'm waiting for it to be perfect. It's not quite right. Something's mm-hmm. not right. Something when really it's great, you know. I just um, I'm not ready to relinquish that power, you know. So um, allowing things not to be perfect was a big
1: changing mm-hmm. point for me wow mate that's so good i suppose because like it's only our perception of what's perfect like people who are going to listen to it or see it or whatever it is never knows what your idea of that thing should be in the first place they have their own experience with it mm. so yeah mate i think yeah i think i needed that advice again i feel like i've had a therapy session it's great And that's <laughs> I so do so <laughs> i i feel like i've really kind of gone it yeah.
0: oh. yeah. <laughs> was yeah. nice
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, mate, thank you so much. I think you're an absolute legend. I think the things you've achieved have been outstanding and you've inspired so many people, you know, in in a multitude of different areas, whether that's music, acting, life, and and people who might have addictions themselves. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. thank you so much, man. This has been really good fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, thanks. All right, cheers, Matt. All the best. Cheers. So there it is, guys thank you so much for listening again thank you so much to Matt we'd originally planned to only record for an hour but as always happens with me I seem to get carried away and these conversations in particular I I could have literally spoke to him for two, three more hours there was so many more questions I had to ask him but uh, I I feel I took enough of his time as it was and I'm so thankful to him for allowing me to do that and it was honestly such a highlight of my week uh, and month to be honest it's one of the standout episodes I feel to date and I'm so happy we got to do it so thank you Matt I really really appreciate it As I am recording this outro, I'm lying on the floor in my study with a blanket over my head and two pillows in front of me. No idea whether that's making any difference to the sound, but originally when I started recording, it sounded a bit echoey. So I'm hopeful that this is giving you the studio feel that you deserve. (laughs) and yeah I just wanted to wish everyone really well as we go deeper into this period of isolation and social distancing and all the rest of it it's getting difficult for me I recently had a little bit of a dip in motivation and I suppose I guess emotionally as well like I felt real low and had a a down period struggling and, and suffering with a little bit of depression to be honest I think it was stemmed from the feeling of cabin fever, which I'm sure we can all relate to at the minute, being stuck at home and, and feeling like this is going to be going on for some time. I had to cancel my upcoming trip to America. I had flights to LA that were due to leave in, May, in early May and had some great episodes planned, people to meet over there. And I, I really value that time when I get to travel by myself. It's a time that I enjoy and, and look forward to because I get to really reflect on what I'm doing look back at the goals that I'm setting myself and see where I was at the previous trip when I was by myself doing something similar so I was really sad to lose that and you know in the big scheme of things that's really trivial in comparison to what a lot of people are going through I'm sure but yeah I think that's what I kind of linked it back to But having said that, some of the guests who I was going to be recording with, I am now recording with remotely, which is going to be fun anyway. So the next episode is going to be with a a great guy called Aaron Alexander, who has a podcast called The Align Podcast. He has a book called The Align Method, and everything he preaches really is about wellness, health, and a lot of it links back to posture. So the whole align theory is how our posture and the way that we hold ourselves and stand and uh, how our... bodies are functioning is impacting our mood and everything else actually that goes on with us so it was really fascinating to hear that i've been a follower and an admirer of his work for a while so it was a real pleasure to speak with him I think that's enough from me. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. It was such a pleasure to speak with Matt. I've been looking forward to it for such a long time. Sadly, we were going to do it face-to-face, but then the lockdown period happened, so we had to do it remotely. But it was so much fun, and uh, I'm thankful to him again. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Until next time, with Aaron Alexander on the podcast, I'll leave you to have a great week, and stay positive, stay motivated, and take flight.